You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and we are gathering here today, January 1st, 2013. So I'd like to begin by calling in the spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those who have gone before us, who lived well, who died well, and who bring all that is good and true and beautiful into our lives. They carry that lineage, the lineage of those who faced the challenges of life, who brought their creativity forward, who risked innovation and did all of those things that human beings do. Uh, And we ask for those ancestors to be with us here today to help us, the living, to be ever more courageous in our hearts, ever more expansive in our thinking, and ever more grounded in our being um, in our time, the time that we are the living and we are the ones co-creating the new world. And so I call out to those ancestors to gather round and to be with us here today, and I give thanks for their presence, for their presence in my life, in your life, their presence in our dreams, and their presence in our inspirations, and their presence with us to help us understand we are the ones now to do what must be done. So with the ancestors gathered round us, let us reach our energy from our heads to our hearts, and our hearts to our bellies, and reach down into the earth. All the way down through all the layers of the earth, let us take a moment and give the earth our gratitude for this day. Our gratitude for the beauty in life, the wonder, the mystery, and our gratitude for the miracle of life. We understand where babies come from, but we certainly don't quite understand where does life come from. And we give thanks to the earth for this miracle And may we choose in this day to do something to honor and acknowledge and express that miracle in our life. So with great gratitude to the earth, let us take a moment and extend our senses and ask ourselves to open, to hear the song that the earth is singing. What is coming? What is needed? What needs to be born into this new world? And we ask ourselves each day to take a moment of silence, to listen to the earth and the song, the new song that is being sung in this new world. So we give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming and we reach down into the very center of the earth and draw the energy of the earth up, drawing up into ourselves the wisdom of manifestation, drawing into our lives the wisdom of grounding, the wisdom of place, the ability then to take a stand. We give thanks to the earth for hearth and home and belonging not only to people, but to other living things. And we give thanks to the earth for connection and interconnection and ultimately to the oneness of all things, to that great web of life. And may we tune in each day to that interconnectedness, that oneness of all things and come into right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, 
right relationship with our environment and the natural world. And ultimately, right relationship with the invisible world. And let us come into the relationships that are here to be had from the heart. And we ask the earth to help us in this challenging task of opening the heart, allowing it to be full and clear and strong, and bringing our courageous heart out in each day. And we give the earth thanks for her support in all of this. And with the earth's energy filling us, let us draw our energy up from the bellies to the heart and the heart to the mind and reach out through the sky, whatever the sky offers you today, reaching out through the sky, through whatever weather is there and out through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos and reach your energy up into the great mysteries of the cosmos, allowing yourself to caress and be caressed by the heavenly bodies, reaching all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you name this power, reach out to it. See yourself reflected in it and know that it is reflected in you. And call this energy down, drawing into our proceedings here today, into your body, into our lives. The energy, ever-present energy of blessing, of benevolence and the generosity of this universe. We call in the energy of protection and devotion and we call these energies in bringing in the divine energy and as we draw it in let us recognize its resonance within ourselves so we call this energy down into our head into our heart into our bellies and we take a moment and let yourself feel the energies of the earth and sky dancing within you in the great Tao the great complementary dualism of our existence let that big love within you dance and move and imagine Imagine within you these two great lovers and let them be together, infusing you with this love. And into that environment, we ask the heart to awaken into the powerful crucible that it is, this crucible of change and transformation. And we call out to the heart to open and draw up the passionate, fiery energies of the lower chakras, to draw them up into the heart where they can be known. And we draw down the crystal clarity of the mind. We draw it down into the heart to give it context, to give it grounding, to give it reality. And we draw these energies into the heart and we ask the heart to do what the heart does, which is to hold them together in a passionate tango dance in our heart that will allow this third energy to be born, which is the energy of our soul's true purpose. And we call that energy forward in the heart, even if we know it only as a feeling. And I ask you to find in your heart the courage to bring that feeling, that vision, that understanding into manifestation in some way today, large or small. For this is why each one of us is here to do precisely what we have come here to do, to bring our unique genius to the world. So with the ancestors gathered round, the earth below, the sky above, the heart in the center of all of it, may you know in this day why you are here. And find the courage to live it. May what needs to be said be said today. What needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. So I give thanks to the spirits for gathering round. I give thanks for the people that make this show possible. I give thanks to Robert and Stephen and Renee, John, Shannon and all the other listeners who have donated to the show since last time. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, please consider donating to the show to keep the show alive and free on the air. It helps us to pay our bills and to um, maintain 
uh, the free archives. We now have two years of free archives um, available to anyone who has access through the internet. And this is a great gift. And I thank all of you who helped me to make this gift possible. And I give thanks to you, those of you who are moved by the show and are unable to donate financially for offering your questions, offering your ideas for shows, offering your support and encouragement and sharing your stories about how you are using what you are learning on the show in your life. All of these things make the show strong. They nourish, they tend, they cultivate. And without learning to nourish and tend and cultivate, we will not create a new world. And so I thank all of you for all that you do that helps me to keep the show alive and vital and here on the air. So happy first day of January 2013, everyone. Um, I did not, in my hiatus of the winter, uh, get the show website updated, so it still looks the same. You can go to whyshamanismnow.com and click on the support button. If you'd like to donate, you can donate any amount, large or small. And if you're uncomfortable doing that uh, through the internet, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to give you a physical mailing address. So thank you all. And I want to give thanks to Co-Creator Network and Ken for giving us a home for this show that we all can... um, live comfortably at. So thanks, Ken, for all the many, many things you do to keep the show alive and well and actually physically manifest in the world. Um, We are live today, and if you have any questions about today's topic, you are invited to call in at 512-772-1938, or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site if you're listening live and um, Skype in with your question, or you can email me during the show or after at... um, Christina at lastmasscenter.org, and I would be happy to read your um, question on the air. So our topic today is about engaging the unknown as an ally. The four shows leading up to um, the turning of the worlds, to the new world, we drew on wisdom of the four archetypal teachers And now we are in this time of transition, the ending of the old world and the beginning of the new. And um, there is much to be done, but it's important always to understand in a time of transition, we are either gaining energy or losing energy. That is the nature of transitional times. And so um, these next set of shows um, are based on a theme, um, probably because over the holidays I was missing um, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, um, and how those movies, which we saw over many, many years, um, reminded us all that we are on a journey together, and not everything is as it seems, and often you find your allies in the most unbelievable places. And so as I was thinking about this and missing those amazing um, adventures, uh, those stories, those beautiful stories, I was thinking about the journey ahead and who were my allies on the journey ahead and who did our allies need to be if we were to truly shape a new cultural story. And so these next few shows are born of this, these musings about the allies we must come into right relationship with if we are to shape a new 
cultural story and uh, to draw down the visions that have been offered at this time and begin to truly make them manifest as parts of this cultural story. So anyway, today's show is about the unknown for of all of the allies that we must repair and heal our relationship with one of the most denigrated of the great allies of the great times on this planet is the unknown so in the beginning there was nothing no time no space no senses nothing to sense Nothing to know and nothing to know it with, because there was nothing. We can't really imagine it fully, but nonetheless, there was nothing. A nothingness dreamt. Nothingness dreamt of something. I don't know if it was a dream of life or a dream of love. But either way, it gave birth to something. The traditional Zulu people call it the living fire of consciousness. I call it grandfather fire. It is the same grandfather fire I called in today to light my fire shrine to open the energy in support of this show, as I do every Tuesday morning in support of the show. Grandfather fire. And the unimaginable nothingness dreamt, and grandfather fire emerged into space, time, and form. So living fire was aware, and it began to grow bright into light, blazing in the darkness of otherwise nothingness. And living fire illuminated living water. Living fire wasn't alone. So living fire illuminated living water, who was in that moment in her form of ice, Given the cold vacuum of space-time, the two had just been dreamt into. So living water is of the not yet known, of the dark, of the place of stillness. I call her grandmother water, the great shapeshifter who shifts herself, while grandfather fire shifts others. Grandmother water, the great shapeshifter, helps us to bring healing reconciliation, and at times, if we can learn to shapeshift ourselves, at times, she helps us even to bring peace. So living fire is perhaps better described today not as consciousness, but as the the now known, the light, the movement. And living water as the not yet known of the dark, of the stillness. So together, fire and water were born of the dream. And this is my creation story. This story tells me where I came from, who my oldest ancestors are. This story tells me of the source of all things, nothingness. It tells me that the deepest truths of my story are unknowable to me. That they are a great mystery, and it is in the mystery itself that life is born, that love is born, and that this 
is my creation story. This is what brings me peace. So this story tells me where I came from, who my oldest ancestors are, and, I, and that I am part of a great dream, born of an even greater mystery. So the traditional Zulu call this the great struggle. Fire flaming and melting ice, melting ice turning to water and putting out fire, almost. As fire starts to go out, the water cools back to ice and the fire grows stronger again. And they call that the great struggle. And they see that dynamic in every person. And they speak of healing through this dance. But for me, as a contemporary woman, born in this particular time, that is not the time of the traditional Zulu. It's my time. It's your time. It's our time. And it is a time when scientists and shamans are talking to each other, translating their two languages and realizing in uh, the joke is on all of us because they're all talking about the same thing. It's a crazy, interesting time. But in this time, I see this dance of fire and water not as a struggle, but truly as a dance. That, that this dynamic, as we talked about with Hilary Webb and her book about complementary dualism, that this dynamic of these two energies that cannot exist without each other, they each lead to a path of extinction alone. They cannot exist without each other. That life then is found in this dance. This is my creation story. This is what helps me understand the world that I live in. This is the Tao. But this is also in the core of these shamanic stories, this dance between the yin and the yang, the fire, the water. But I see it not as a struggle. I see it as a dance. I see it as great lovers each sovereign and unique and truly individual and yet together creating life, creating a wholeness that brings all that we know, all that is possible into existence. For me, it's a dance. You will need to decide what it is for you. But I believe first that what we believe has power. But what I believe is that the interpretation of the nature of our world as a struggle is at the core of the old world and the old stories. And that we as the living need to lean into the pointy stick of complementary dualism, of seeing this energy this nature of our universe as a dance, as a dynamic in which both are brought into their fullness through their interaction with each other, through their movement together, and that it is not a struggle. It is not all war metaphor, but it is about a dance. It is about life, and it is ultimately about the terrifying ferocious risk of love and that this is perhaps 
a more accurate interpretation of the world around us, of nature. Or perhaps it's just more timely. But what I believe in is believing in the dance and not the struggle as the truth. Not that I didn't have to struggle in life to learn to dance. Granted, there is challenge in life. There is physical effort in life. But it is not the pinnacle of all that is. It is something we must do. It is something the living often attend to. But it is not the all that is. I believe that my creation story tells me that the all that is is a dance of two different and beautiful energies, each in their own sovereignty, that in their choice to dance together sparks life and possibility. And for me, in my story, the dance is at the heart of things. So for me, clearly, this is the dance of the Tao. This is the complementary dualism at the heart of so many of humanity's shamanic stories. You know, I'm not a traditional shaman. I don't uh, shape my practice based on one traditional people's cosmology because my ancestors wandered off from shamanism long ago. And so my cosmology is born of today, of the work with my own helping spirits, but it's also based on learning about many, many people's practices and seeing the places that peoples agree and noticing those, collecting those, and not necessarily getting attached to the parts that the different people um, brought into their cosmology that no one else sees. They're interesting, But I'm not going to place that at the center of my story because my story has to be a story that resonates not just with me, but with my family. And for all of us here on the planet at this time, our family is humanity. So it needs to be a big story. Needs to be a lot of room at the end of this story. So in my story, this is a dance, and it is the dance of the big love. And I think perhaps that nothingness actually dreamt of love, and that fire and water are our ways of speaking about yin and yang, and that yin and yang are the two great lovers who cannot exist without each other, um, or all life, and all love would cease to exist. And so this is my story of where I come from, and it leads us eventually to why we are here. And this is the story of a dream It is a story of all life and perhaps most important for our understanding at this time, it is a story of love, only love. If we are to craft a true new story in our time for the new world, and this is our time, we all chose to be here now. But if we are to craft a truly new story for our time, for this new world we have been given, We must have the courage to not only be the dreamers we were born to be, but we must also be the fire and the water in equal respect 
and equal regard. Our old world, the world that just ended, that opened the way for the world that is beginning, our old world, sang a song of fire. It told a story that said, reach for the light and fear the dark. Trust only what you know and reject out of hand the not yet known. And most of all, keep moving. For in the stillness, you will meet things you are not equipped to deal with. The old world sang a song of fire. It was a song of fear born out of false fire. The story tells of trusting that envy and greed are the motivation for actions. It tells the story of arrogance and resentment in our relation with others. It tells of obsession and boredom as a far better path than to risk diving into the unconscious mystery of the self. And it reveres ambition and regression over all other possible courses of action. The old world sang a song of fire. And the song of fire believes in greed and envy, arrogance, resentment, obsession, boredom, ambition, and aggression. It is the story of true young, grandfather fire, true young, lost, lost in excess. True young energies lost in falseness and stagnation and deficiency. Because Grandfather Fire was revered alone, without the love of his life. Grandmother Water, the yin. You would become a bitter, obsessive, angry old man too. If you were never allowed the touch of your great love. You were forced to live through eons without the touch of your sweetheart. Mm. False young, false yin, equally sad, both lead to extinction. So the old world sang a song of fire because grandfather fire was revered alone and in our belief, in one side of the equation, we relegated grandfather fire to falseness, to stagnation, deficiency, and excess. And true young energy got lost. It lost itself. It forgot who it was. So the old world story is the story of true young lost and alone. It is also the story about a lie. But then it couldn't not be. So the old story was the story of true young lost and alone. It was a story about a lie. And it is that lie that we are alone, that we are separate from our sweetheart, that this isn't a world of love and complementary dualism, the dance, it was a lie. But because we believed so strongly only in the light, only in the fire, we turned grandfather fire into a lonely, bitter angry old man and true young lost itself lost its essence lost its ability to protect to bless to guide 
And we did it with our belief. So that was an old story that said, reach for the light and only for the light. Yet it is in our darkness that we find rest each night. It is in our darkness that we find the unknown self who carries the reason that we are here. It is when we close our eyes and go into a small personal darkness that we find meditation and rejuvenation. It is in the darkness of the journey that we meet our helping spirits and our companions along the way. It is in the simple darkness of each day that we rest, that we recover. And so in spite of our having turned our back entirely, the darkness comes, bringing its grace every day that we might rest and we might remember ourselves and we might lead the yang back to remember itself through our own actions. So it is in the darkness that we find our heart and we find our courage to love, especially to love again. So in my story for the new world, the one I hope to be part of cultivating, the finding the courage to love again will be part of what defines us as humans, not greed, not envy, not obsession, but that raw act when we release that cold soulless thing from our heart after it's been broken and we say, thank you, you can go now because I have found my footing again. I know where I stand. And I know that if I choose to stand in reality in the world, I can only stand in love. So fly away, cold, soulless thing. Thank you for numbing me for that broken-hearted moment. But I choose to find the courage in my own heart to love again. That this would be what it means to be heroic in my story of a new world. Wouldn't be a story about being a fool to love again. It wouldn't be a story about lust and greed and being lost from what brings love in our life. It would be a story about the courage to love again after the heart has been broken. Because it is in the darkness of these times that we find who we really are that we find our true strength. And we learn to be not the man or woman we were taught to be, but the man or woman that came here to walk this earth and bring a new gift to the world. So in the new story for the new world, we are not alone because we cannot be alone. Our new story must tell of the courageous people who had the courage to love again. And in that courage united, they released the great lie. The great lie of separation. They released it into the even greater truth of the dream, the origin of all things. 
our light illuminates our dark, just as Grandfather Fire illuminated Grandmother Water. Our light illuminates our dark, and our dark gives meaning and purpose and context to our light. Without it, the light becomes lost. It becomes false. It becomes ungrounded and unsustainable. Exactly like our way of life right now. Lost and unsustainable. But how do we begin to tell a new story? Every human alive right now got the story downloaded at the moment of their birth. We are not the people who knew how to tell the story. We were given a story. And most of us, most cultures around the world have given over the role of the storyteller to mindless technological contraptions that patter on about things that fill our heads with junk. So another part of the new story here, right at the beginning, is not only how the people with courageous hearts chose to love again and threw off, released the great lie of separation, but it is how they rescued the storyteller from mediocrity and gave the storyteller back the right the sovereignty, the place to tell the true stories. Remember what the warrior said, if we do not dance with the woman with the dark eyes who knows the rumba and the strange steps in jumpy rhythms from the mountains of Bulgaria, this world will be much like the last one. So how do we tell a new story? Who is our woman with the dark eyes? What new steps must we learn, no matter how spastic we might be, to tell a new story? Well, I believe that if it's to be a truly new story, we will need new allies. I'm tired of our old allies anyway. They're mediocre and they um, are boring, frankly. So I propose that we need new allies. And my, in my proposition, our first new ally is the unknown. And I'm not talking about tolerance when we're in a position in our life where we don't know what's going on. I'm not even talking about patiently waiting for things to be known again. I'm not talking about simply uh, agreeing again to do what you already knew. I am talking about creating a relationship with the unknown that you could say, I'm all right, the unknown's got my back. Or I would follow the unknown to the edges of the earth. That the unknown is truly an ally, truly an asset on this journey, not something to be tolerated or waited out or ignored while you fill that space with a bunch of stuff you already know and frankly you already know doesn't work. So what I'm talking about 
is that part of this time of transition is the cultivation of right relationships with the true allies that we need. And the true allies that we need right now will, by their very nature of the truth, be uncomfortable. If you are too comfortable with the allies you have gathered around you, then you are not in good company. Consider that. We must actively resist our human tendency to move towards the comfort zone and call in allies into our life. And this will defy the cultural story we've been living in. But call them in nonetheless. Use your shamanic skills to find out what you need to do to create right relationship with the allies that you need. Hell, use your shamanic skills to find out the allies that you need. Don't listen to me. Ask your helping spirits. But my money for all of us is on the simple fact that we must cultivate a loving, uh, respectful, a welcoming relationship with the unknown. And in doing so, we begin to right our relationship with the yin, with the darkness, with those aspects of the great dance that restore and nourish us and teach us about tending and cultivating. Because if we can come to understand these things again, we can understand again how to create a sustainable life in our time. So the journey with the unknown is about learning to be with the unknown. And this is one of the first parts of our journey. And what we gain from the unknown is the ability to function when we don't know what's going on. The ability to open to wisdom and not need to know before it happens. The ability to track an energy without necessarily understanding where that will take you. So the willingness to function in the unknown, again, this is right relationship with the unknown. Not, like I said, being tolerant or patiently waiting it out until you can come back to something that feels comfortable that you already knew. But learning to function skillfully in a continual state of unknown. This is what we must ask of ourselves if we are to dream this new dream. If we are to be the dreamers we were born to be by simply being born in this time. We must learn to function skillfully in a constant state of unknown. And in that, in gaining the ability to be alive, to be vital, to be loving, and to be dreaming in the condition of unknownness, we will very likely create a new world. So how would you cultivate this? Well, there are various human words I can give to this that will help us understand what we need to develop greater comfort for, even a longing or desire for. And that would be deep feeling would be one of them. Integrity is another. Accountability and dependability. Solitude. Groundedness. A true commitment to emotional well-being 
these are all qualities that come uh, or that we must cultivate to be able to be in good relationship or in right relationship with the unknown. So the processes that help us to do this are all processes that move us into our vulnerability, into our shadow or our what we have hidden from ourselves. Dealing with the shadow energies in our life brings us into the unknown, into great relationship with the unknown. But the most important thing to understand is in dealing with your emotional life, dealing with your darkness, your fears, that which you have placed in the shadow. This is what makes you trustworthy. Someone who has never done this is utterly untrustworthy. And we have allowed that type of person to lead us. And it is time that we lead ourselves out of the lost yang time, the lost fire, that we find these true energies within ourselves and lead ourselves out again. So as I was thinking about today's show, there was a, I found a wonderful essay from Charles Eisenstein. Um, and I talked um, about some of Charles' writing before. You can find him in um, Sacred Economics is his thing. This particular article is found um, at his website, which is Charles Eisenstein, E-I-S-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, charleseisenstein.net. And this particular essay is um, 2013, The Space Between the Stories. And in it, he discusses the space between the old story that we've been telling and the new story that must be told if we are to create something different than before. So Charles begins uh, saying that every culture has a story of the people. And this is what I've been talking about here today. Every story, um, every culture has a story of the people uh, to give meaning to the world, part conscious and part unconscious. It consists of a matrix of agreements, narratives, and symbols that tell us why we are here, where we are headed, what is important, and even what is real. I think we are entering into a new phase in the dissolution of our story of the people and therefore, with some lag time, of the edifice of the civilization built on top of it. So this is the beginning of Charles' essay. So Charles goes on to describe the story of the people he grew up in, which is the story of the people we grew up in because he's basically – actually, I don't know how Charles is, but he's a contemporary person of this time. Sure, there were problems, he says, but the scientists and the experts were working hard to fix them. Soon, a new medical advance, a new law, a new educational technique would propel onward the improvement of life. He says, my childhood perceptions were part of this story of the people in which humanity was destined to create a perfect world through science, reason, and technology to conquer nature, transcend our animal origins, and engineer a rational society. And Charles says, from my vantage point, the basic premise of this story seemed unquestionable. After all, it seemed to be working in my world. Looking back, he says, I realized that this was a bubble world built atop massive human suffering and environmental degradation. But at the time, one could live within the bubble without much need um, of self-deception. The story that surrounded us was robust. 
So remember about the visionary and belief and believe and how our belief gives things power. The story was robust because many people believed it. And what we believe gains power. And many people believed it in spite of the facts. Nonetheless, they did believe and it gained power. And part of the reason it was so robust was because part of this story is to convert. It is to save. It is to educate all. That that, that is in and of itself part of the story, to spread. To bring all into the known where they would be safe and sound in the bubble world. And that's something we must understand about the old story. It was to bring us out of the horrifying fear of the unknown. And so our quickest path to a new story is to say, no thanks, I'm grown up now. I'm quite happy with the unknown. I can live in either, thank you very much, known or unknown. And this was the thing, though, that allowed this story to become so robust because in its best sense, it believed that it was bringing all of us out of the scary wilderness of the unknown into the known where we would be safe forever in our bubble world. So Charles goes on to talk about how the belief in the story has eroded from within um, in many ways. And he says that we um, are like children who have grown out of a story that once enthralled us, aware now that it was only a story. And this is kind of interesting, right? Because what we believe gains power. So what happens when we believe in nothing versus what happens when we believe in the great nothingness that gave birth to all things? Very, it's not semantics, people. It's the difference between two stories. So, again, back to Charles. So, he's talking about how um, our belief in the story has also been eroded by outside things. In other words, the facts eventually became so enormous, we couldn't continue to ignore them. And the promise in the story also has fallen short of what it promised. And it has brought with it not only not the solutions we were promised, but countless unanticipated outcomes. And so Charles says, today we cannot ignore the intensifying degradation of the biosphere the malaise of the economic system, the decline in health, or the persistent and, um, and indeed growth of global poverty and inequality. We once thought economists would fix poverty, political scientists would fix social injustice, chemists and biologists would fix environmental problems, and the power of reason would prevail and we would adopt sane policies. Charles says, I remember looking at the maps of rainforest decline in National Geographic in the early 80s. And feeling alarm and relief. Relief because at least the scientists and everyone who reads National Geographic was aware of the problem. So something surely would be done. Of course, it wasn't. It isn't and it hasn't. And the rainforests continue to be degraded. So as Charles' essays evolves, he gets to the point where he says, as a result, we no longer believe our storytellers. But at the same time, we have no new story. 
Nigerian writer Ben Okri says, beware of the stories you read or tell subtly at night beneath the waters of consciousness. They are altering your world. So it's important for us to retrieve the storyteller from mediocrity, to understand how important stories are, and to begin to truly look at, to beware of the stories you read or tell. What story are you telling every day? What stories are you reading? What stories do you allow into your mind? So this quote was brought to my attention by um, Free Will Astrology back in April of 2010. And at that time, uh, they added that it's a good time to take inventory of all the stories you allow to pour into your beautiful head. Do you absorb a relentless stream of fear-inducing news reports and violent movies and gossipy tales of decline and degradation? Well, then guess what? It's the equivalent for your psyche of eating rotting bear intestines and crud scraped off a dumpster wall and pitchers full of trans fats from partially hydrogenated oil. But maybe, on the other hand, you tend to expose yourself to comedies that loosen your fixations and poems that stretch your understanding of the human condition and conversations about all the things that are working pretty well. So uh, you're taking good care of your precious insides. You're fostering your mental health. And so, again, this isn't just about those stories they tell us. This is about you and your sovereignty, me and my sovereignty. What story am I telling with my life? Beware the stories you read or tell. Subtly at night, beneath the waters of consciousness, they are altering your world. So what happens to us humans? When we no longer believe our storytellers, and I believe we are living in this right now, I think Charles is absolutely right. He says all of them imply that everything is under control, and we know that it is not. We have lost the vision of the future we once had. Most people have no vision of the future at all, and this is new for our society. Fifty or a hundred years ago, most people agreed on the general outlines of the future. We thought we knew where society was going. Even the Marxists and the capitalists agreed on its basic outlines. A paradise of mechanized leisure and scientifically engineered social harmony with spirituality either abolished entirely or relegated to the materially inconsequential corner of life that happened mostly on Sundays. Of course, there were dissenters from this vision But this was the general consensus. So from my perspective, this is precisely where the new story begins. The spirituality that was abolished or relegated to the inconsequential corners of life wouldn't stay there. We don't have the power to abolish half of the reality of the great dream. We were born of that dream. And we are born dreamers. But we did not create it. It creates us. We cannot abolish Grandmother Water. We can only ignore her to our own detriment. So this dream is the dream 
of the big love, of fire and water, yin and yang. Our story, the new story, is of the big dream emerging from our small, fearful, untrusting nightmare. It is the story of the children, that's us, the children leading Grandfather Fire back to his sweetheart and honoring and respecting both of these ancestors equally and living in a way that expresses both in our life. And as they come together, each moves out of their excess, each moves out of their stagnation, each moves out of their falseness that is embedded in the beliefs of the old story. So as Charles says, based on uh, the old story is a lie. It is the lie of separateness. And as Charles says, at the base of the story of the people, the old story of the people, is separation of humanity from nature, of me from you, of each from all. And so I would say that the true story of the people is a widely accepted set of agreements and narratives that gives meaning to the world and coordinates human activity towards its fulfillment. So this must be a story of truth. A true story must be based on truth. Not false yin or false yang. Not lost yin or lost yang. But the true story. And the truth of the world is all around us. Again, we didn't. We are born of it. And we dream it. And we co-create it. But it's also creating us. We are not the nothingness. We're born of it. And so the truth of the world is all around us. It's not our beliefs and our opinions, but it's nature. It's the physical world around us and the spiritual world around us. And we must learn to see and to hear and to speak to the world around us, not just to our beliefs and our psychology and our story, but what's actually here. The physical reality that will grow the corn, that which will allow us to live and to love. And so we must learn to see and to hear and to speak the mother tongue, as Will Tegel guides us in his book, The Mother Tongue, um, Intimacy in the Eco Fields. Will was on the show last month. And so this is really where we are. We don't have, um, well, we have many other choices. But at the heart of this story must be heart. It must be the love of these two great lovers brought together. I'm not even going to do a show about why this is not about the matriarchy rising up again. Because matriarchy or patriarchy, each alone is extinction. It's just a different version of dead. In my heart, the new story is about the lovers. At the heart of it is the Tao, the complementary dualism of our actual existence in this dream world. That is the reality of it. It is in many, many shamanic cultures. It is a place where many of them agree on this relationship, this fundamental nature of all things of which we are a part. This is the dream and we are born of that dream. We need to dream in the dream. That's the point of our higher consciousness. 
not to come up with some brand new vision that has nothing to do with reality, but to finally have the capacity to embrace this reality. People don't like Taoism because it's hard. It requires a relationship with the unknown, with uncertainty, with your vulnerability, and with your darkness. It requires that you sit at the knee of both your grandmother and your grandmother, equal time, equal love. This is where the new story will come from if it is to be a true story. As the old story unravels, which it is by its very nature of its one-sidedness, Charles says, um, and even when it unravels, we must traverse the space between the stories. It is a kind of nakedness. And in the turbulent times ahead of our familiar, our familiar ways of acting, thinking, and being will no longer make sense. We'll be in the unknown, in other words. We won't know what is happening. We won't know what it all means. And sometimes we won't know even what is real. Thus we must, this is me now, thus we must learn right now to be at peace with the unknown. To accept that the unknown is not the ally, is not the enemy, but an ally on the journey. The story is not to rescue everyone from the unknown, but to bring us back into relationship with it as the ally that helps us to move through, in reality, the things we don't know about yet. So the journey question for you is, what would it feel like? If the unknown were a trusted ally, and then what steps do I need to take to make that so? To have a new story, we must have new allies on the journey. Who will you trust? Greed and envy? Or do you want to try something new? This week, I challenge you all, try the unknown to bring the, new, the unknown in as a new ally on your journey. Who will you have at your back? Who will you confide in? From what will you find the meaning and the purpose in your life, in your story? I believe we begin creating right relationship with the unknown. And then we will move on to wilderness as a remedy for the need to control, to nature, And its inherent dualism uh, will trade that in for the intolerance of others born out of the belief in this antagonistic struggle in life. Uh, We will bring in darkness as an ally in its most sacred form as a remedy for light as singular goodness, which means light lost. And we'll bring in a capacity for functioning in your full assets in your vulnerability, in your uncertainty, and in the unknown. So I thank the spirits for joining us here today. I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around, the earth below, the sky above, the heart that unites us all. We'll continue talking about our new allies as we go forward over the next few weeks. But for this week, I challenge each one of you to make the unknown the ally that has your back.
Thank you, everyone.